I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone. And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on the 2022 conviction of the Trump Organization for Tax Fraud. In December 2022, the Trump Organization, the real estate business that helped Donald Trump amass his fortune, was convicted in the New York State Supreme Court on 17 counts of tax fraud and other crimes, including scheming to defraud, conspiracy, and falsifying business records. In today's episode, we outline the tax fraud convictions. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. So I said on one of our recent episodes that we don't talk about Donald Trump enough. So... So here we are with our second consecutive episode discussing Trump and taxes. Happy New Year to us. Happy New Year. And happy early birthday to you. Uh, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. So today we're going to talk about where the Trump organization went awry from a tax perspective. And if we're being honest, it's not super exciting or super sophisticated. Much like Mr. Trump himself. Oh, she said what she said, listeners. I did. I did. And I don't take it back. But let's put it out there plain and clear that for as much as he likes to paint himself as a bigly business genius, many of the tax strategies or schemes that Trump or his businesses have exploited don't really rise to the level of what I would consider brilliant. Uh, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to second that motion. So for starters, you may remember that in 2016, Rudy Giuliani characterized Trump as a, quote, genius Mm -hmm. for using business losses to reduce his taxes. And I don't think that either of us would describe losing money to lower your taxes as a genius move. Um, Not so much, no. First of all, generating business losses doesn't sound particularly wise, nor particularly difficult, I must add. Um, I think we can both attest to that personally because we've been doing it on this podcast since uh, 2021. (laughs) And what's more, using those business losses to reduce your tax liability is not like some super secret stealth tax planning move. It's the law. And any student of ours who didn't recognize that opportunity after one semester in undergraduate tax classes would not get a passing grade. No, they would not. So it probably shouldn't be too surprising that these criminal tax fraud convictions are related to similarly, shall we say, uninspired schemes. All right. The first order of business today is to outline the transactions that led to these tax fraud convictions. And then we'll move on to why the things that Trump Organization did ran afoul of the tax law. Here we go. In July of 2021, the Trump Organization and its CFO, Alan Weisselberg, were indicted in a, quote, sweeping and audacious tax fraud scheme. It sounds so sexy. Weisselberg was said to have received more than $1.7 million of compensation for his work for the organization, quote, off the books. The indictment claimed that Weisselberg conspired with the Trump Organization to defraud the federal government, as well as New York State and New York City, to the tune of almost $1 million in taxes. $1 million. Weisselberg originally pleaded not guilty to the charges, and the Trump Organization accused the Manhattan District Attorney's Office of attempting to harm Trump personally. 
Further, the Associated Press noted that the IRS had never audited the company's compensation practices and that Trump himself characterized his company's actions as standard business practices and not a crime. As I have frequently explained to my eight-year-old child, just because your friends do something doesn't make it okay for you to do it. So true. So in other words, even if off the books or under the table compensation is a quote, standard business practice as Trump claimed, that doesn't make it okay or illegal or not tax fraud. And just because the underfunded IRS has never detected or audited a tax issue doesn't mean that it's okay or legal or not tax fraud. Uh, that's right. Okay, so what type of off-the-books compensation practices are we talking about here, Lisa? All right, so the Trump Organization was alleged to have granted non-cash compensation to Weisselberg and two other executives. So for example, Weisselberg's son, Barry, who operated a Central Park ice rink for the Trump Organization, lived in a Manhattan apartment owned by Trump from 2005 through 2018. Fine so far, but for most of that time, he paid just $1,000 in monthly rent. In other months, he paid nada. The company also paid for private school tuition for Weisselberg's grandchildren, luxury cars that Weisselberg and his wife drove, and several of Weisselberg's personal expenses, including home renovations, flat screen TVs, and some other furnishings. So all told, this compensation amounted to around $1.7 million. Two other executives also received under the table compensation in the form of housing and uh, car leases. Now, to be clear, there is absolutely nothing wrong with compensating your employees or paying anyone really with things other than cash. True. In fact, we had a whole episode last year about the various types of non-cash compensation that companies granted to their employees. Specifically during the pandemic, companies were trying to get creative mm -hmm. and were compensating employees with things like joggers, houseplants, gym memberships. Yep. That's all fine and dandy. So Trump was not necessarily lying when he said it was standard business practice to compensate employees with things like free or reduced rate lodging, especially if you're a real estate company. That is an excellent point. So let's take this example and use some poetic license here. Okay. Let's say that you're a real estate company and you have a lot of empty apartments and you're short on cash because it's in the middle of the great financial crisis. Okay. It might be beneficial to the company and to the employees to offer them free or below market housing in an empty unit. Makes sense. It might even be a strategic move from a marketing perspective so that your housing complexes don't look so vacant and sad. I like that idea. Um, so yeah, in short, there could be completely legitimate non-tax reasons for compensating employees with things other than direct cash payments. So where does the tax fraud come in? Let's find out. Dun, dun, dun. The key issue in this case is not that Mr. Weisselberg enjoyed, shall we say, creative compensation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The problem is that he did not report that compensation to the IRS and other tax authorities like those in New York. Uh, yepers. It's when any type of taxable compensation goes unreported that the old tax fraud folks start to get cranky. And you do not want to make them cranky. You don't. So... Shifting gears a little bit, we're going to have a little bit of an etymology lesson. I don't know who to what now. Uh, yes, exactly. History. We're going to talk about the history of the phrase off the books compensation. 
Oh, I like this. So it essentially means that pay goes unreported to avoid tax consequences. Mm -hmm. The synonym, which is the phrase under the table, was coined in the early 1900s to reference money that was being transferred from one person to another under the table or, quote, out of sight. Hmm. In this case, it means out of the sight of the IRS and other tax authorities who would want to tax that transfer. We have a different use of the word under the table in my house, which is I'm going to drink you under the table. But that's a story for another time. Yes, please, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it polished here on uh, taxes for the masses. So it's pretty obvious why Mr. Weisselberg would want to conceal this compensation from the IRS, right? Absolutely. On top of this unreported compensation, Mr. Weisselberg earned a hefty salary and bonus from the Trump Organization each year, north of one million dollars annually. That amount of compensation alone would put him in the highest individual tax bracket. Mm -hmm. In 2018, the last year of this scheme, the top federal rate was 37%. The top New York state rate was almost 9%. And let's just throw in another 4% to New York City for good measure. Yowzer. That means that for every additional dollar in compensation that Mr. Weisselberg received and reported to I don't want to say the tax man, so I'll say the tax person. Oh, that's very inclusive of you. We're trying to be inclusive here. He would keep only 50 cents. But for every additional dollar in compensation that he did not report to the tax person, he would keep the whole $1. Now, I think it is no secret to anybody who knows me that I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure that even I can figure out that I'd rather have a dollar than just 50 cents. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And that's not even taken into account payroll taxes, so the savings could actually be far greater. There are a few ways to accomplish this under-the-table compensation. For starters, the Trump Organization could have just paid Weisselberg cash and not reported it. You know, that's like fairly obvious and overtly wrong. Agreed. So another potentially less conspicuous option would be to give compensation that maybe, possibly, arguably isn't taxable and therefore does not have to be reported. That sounds exciting. Let's explore that. All right. Employers can give some types of non-taxable compensation to their employees, but the examples are extremely limited. Things like health insurance, small perks like donuts on Friday, little things like that. All right. Challenge accepted. What about the fact that the Trump Organization paid tuition for Weisselberg's grandkids? That's tuition. That mm -hmm. seems like an education benefit. Mm -hmm. Is that taxable? Yes. So the tax law does allow employers to offer non-taxable education benefits to employees themselves, but not to their children or grandchildren or other family members. Okay, but we previously said on an episode that you could pay for my daughter's tuition and that wouldn't count as a taxable gift. So couldn't the Trump Organization be giving gifts to Weisselberg in the form of paying for his grandkids' education? Love where your head's at. Super creative thought. Um, but no, gifts are given with the expectation of nothing in particular in return, right? Got it. In this case, the payments were made in return for Weisselberg's services. I mean, you can imagine if he stopped working for Trump Org, he wouldn't have continued to receive those tuition payments. So payments in return for services... That's the very definition of compensation. And as we said, compensation in whatever form is taxable. All right. So I'm giving up on the tuition. Let's talk about the lodging. Okay. So I thought I remembered something from college about employer provided lodging being tax exempt. Why isn't it that the case here? Okay. Yes. In some limited circumstances, lodging provided to employees is tax exempt. 
but the lodging in question has to be the employee's place of employment. So right off the bat, it's not really going to work, right? It's, it wasn't like he was the on-call maintenance man at the ice rink and they gave him somewhere to sleep. The mere fact that the building was owned by Trump isn't sufficient to make that lodging tax exempt. Okay. And more importantly, maybe the employer has to have a business reason to provide the lodging beyond giving the employee additional compensation. Okay, I got it. And now you're jogging my memory, and I believe that parsonages are the classic example. And um, that's not what we're talking about here. I don't think we ever talk about parsonages, but no. sure. Okay, fair enough, but... You're not gonna you're not gonna stump me here. I'm gonna find a way. Okay. Weiselberg's son didn't get the lodging for free. Mm. Most of the time he lived in the apartment, he was paying rent of a thousand dollars per month. So there. So once again, it sounds a lot like you're trying to defend Trump here, or at least Trump organization. What 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 is happening? Um, I just I felt like you were giving me a challenge and I just wanted to embrace it. Okay. So no, uh, Receiving things from your employer, like housing or a loan at below market rates, is still compensation for the amount of that discount that you got. Okay, fair enough. And anyone who's ever watched an episode of Sex in the City or Friends knows that $1,000 for rent in Manhattan is uh, definitely below market. Yes. All right, so you're shooting me down all over the place. I suppose you're now going to say no dice on the luxury auto leases either. You are correct. Unless you mean fuzzy dice hanging from the rearview mirror. Solo style. I can only assume this is a Star Wars reference. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, so clearly that's not what I meant. <laughs> Fair. All right. Last, last ditch effort on my part. The payments for the home renovations and the furnishings. I believe you said that those payments did not go directly to Weisselberg, but instead the Trump organization cut checks to the service providers and the vendors. Does that help? It does not. And that's thanks to a little rule called the Assignment of Income Doctrine. The taxpayer who earns the income must report the income, even if they give the right to the income to another taxpayer. Weisselberg can't avoid reporting taxable compensation just by directing the Trump organization to pay his compensation to somebody else. All right. Well, you've convinced me that Weisselberg committed tax fraud. Oh, yay. I win. He knowingly failed to report these forms of compensation to the IRS and to New York State and to New York City, all with the intention of avoiding taxes. And that, by definition, is tax fraud. Yep. And it's no bueno. No bueno. But that still leaves the question of why the Trump organization was also convicted. How did it benefit the company to pay Weisselberg and other executives under the table? It's a great question. And that's perhaps the least obvious part of the story here. Um, but it could have benefited them in a few ways. So the first way is from a bigger picture economic perspective, and that's related to Weisselberg's after-tax reservation wage, which is just a fancy way of saying the minimum amount he was willing to work for after taking taxes into consideration. Uh, example, please. Sure. I slept through this day of <laughs> PhD class. Lies. You only fell asleep during a midterm. It was the only time I saw it happen. Or was it a final? It was the final. Okay. <laughs> Let's say you demand a million dollars after tax to co-host this podcast with me and that your tax rate is 40%. Never. If you report that income, I'd have to pay you about 1.7 million so that after you give 40% of that taxable wage to the government, you have a million left over that you require to be my co-host. That was your after-tax reservation wage. Okay, now I get it. If I didn't report that income, you'd only have to pay me a million dollars because my taxes would be zero. 
Exactamente. Your willingness to evade tax saves me money. And if we both know that, wink, wink, nod, nod, we've just conspired to defraud the government. And second, paying employees off the books also saves taxes for the employer. And that's because taxable compensation is subject to employment taxes, things like contributions to Social Security, Medicare health insurance, and unemployment insurance. And about 50% of that burden falls to the employer. So continuing our example... I pay you $1.7 million of taxable compensation to be my co-host. I'd also owe roughly $33,000 in employment taxes to the federal government. It's not huge, but it's not nothing either. That's true. And the fact that the Trump organization benefited at all from these compensation schemes, regardless of how tiny that benefit was, was a required element for the organization to be convicted. Mm. A Trump Organization spokeswoman criticized the verdict for holding the company responsible for the selfish actions of one employee for their own personal gain. Indeed, during trial, Mr. Weisselberg testified that his intention was to save himself money, not to benefit the Trump Organization. He did say that, but we also have to remember he was still collecting a million-dollar paycheck from the organization at the time. So he might have been less than eager to throw Trump or the company under the bus. And also, regardless of his intentions, there was evidence that Trump knew about the schemes. The prosecution had Trump's signature on a document authorizing a reduction in reported salary for another executive who was also receiving unreported compensation. And Weisselberg acknowledged the non-tax benefits of the scheme. According to ProPublica, Weisselberg explained that the Trump organization would have had to give him a raise twice as large as the amount they spent on his personal expenses to provide the same benefit if taxes were withheld from his reported income. See, not so genius after all. Time for the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I am going to continue my streak of starting with the good and say hallelujah to some high-powered, high-wealth individuals being made to answer for their crooked tax schemes. Shenanigans. I totally agree. Yes, Trump has um, certainly been accused of loads of dirty deeds in his lifetime, or frankly has been caught on tape admitting to dirty deeds in some Mm -hmm. cases. Uh, But Teflon Don always seems to escape unscathed. And in this episode, we've explained some shady business practices that constitute tax fraud, making it satisfying to see this organization responsible for those shady dealings officially convicted of a crime. But in laying out the good, you also brushed up against the bad as well. I I sort of have a habit of that, as do you. And I'm going to say that it's bad because even though Trump signed documents authorizing the scheme, and he personally signed checks that helped facilitate the scheme, he himself, Donald J. Trump, was not charged with a crime and therefore was not convicted. True. The Trump organization was named in the suit, but not Trump himself. And what's more, because the company's privately held, there's no chance of it facing any sanctions from regulators like the SEC or shareholder lawsuits. And even the penalty that the company faces in the wake of this criminal conviction is frankly relatively small, only about $1.6 million, if the judge even imposes the maximum allowable penalty. And that leads us right to the ugly. Okay. 
Despite the New York Times' best effort to make readers like me feel better by highlighting the, quote, reputational damage that Trump Mm. could face because his identity is so closely aligned with the Trump organization, I don't think I'm buying it. I don't think I am optimistic enough to believe that Trump is going to suffer any reputational damage as a result of these tax fraud convictions. Yeah, I think it's possible that some individuals may already have had a hunch that Trump was maybe a morally squishy character. Squishy, yeah. I'm trying to remember why. Um, maybe after he was caught on tape laughingly bragging about groping women. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or when he repeatedly was accused of sexual assault. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Or of cheating contractors out of money. Or accused of paying hush money to an adult film star. Or when he was filmed mocking a reporter with a disability. That too. That too. Or using charitable contributions to pay for personal expenses. I mean, the list goes on. But nonetheless, other individuals have decided to stand by Trump despite these many instances of what you and I both think is abhorrent behavior. And I seriously doubt that some tax fraud inside the Trump organization is going to change any of that. No, I don't think so, especially this tax fraud. Okay. Because, I mean, let's let's be real. We've probably all, all of us, gotten some off-the-books compensation at some point in our lives. Bold claim. I'm looking at you, babysitters, lawnmowers. Uh, yes. College tutors. Mm-hmm. I worked at a ham store every Christmas and got paid under the table. We criticized Trump at the top of the show for exploiting such basic tax avoidance schemes, but it turns out that might be the very thing that saves him from a lot of public scrutiny or reputational damage related to this case. That's such a good point. Um, Yeah, it's not like this is some elaborate scheme involving tax haven bank accounts and shell companies and sophisticated consultants and you know, uh, crazy organizational structures. This is just an employer paying their employee in some secret way to save everyone a little tax. And as you said, a lot of us, when we were teenagers especially, did jobs like that uh, and see it every day, frankly. It's pretty damn relatable. And condemning people in Trump's fear for doing it could seem hypocritical for someone who's done it themselves even if that was on a much smaller scale of, I don't know, what did we earn for babysitting when we were teenagers? Like $8 an hour, maybe? I mean, I I did it once and I babysat two kids for three hours and I got 20 bucks and said, F this noise and never did it again. Yeah, that's about right. But you hit it on the head. You use the phrase shell company. Yeah. If there's no shell, is, is it even tax fraud if there's no shell company? I mean, <laughs> Not according to all of this, the syndicated crime shows. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm depressed and I'm looking to you to provide some upside here or maybe some parting words of wisdom. Oh, boy. That is a (laughs) tall order. Um, We have two entire years that we get to enjoy life before we have to deal with the next presidential election. You know what? I'll take it. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses. 